I lost Jordan. I have to call him back. I don't know what just happened. He didn't answer. This is Jordan Patterson. No answer. Welcome to Unravel Our Travel, where two enthusiasts dive into their favorite trips, tips, and tricks. Where are you taking me today, Lauren? I am taking you to Ireland. Ooh. And really specifically kind of the Dublin area with a couple trips outside of it. Nothing crazy. Okay. Well, that's appropriate. It's been yeah. quite rainy recently. It, it has been rainy. It's been Drake or Drake, which is actually a Scottish Ooh. word. Um, not Irish, but I'm, I'm, you know, you really similar cultures though. They're both don't Celtic. say that there though. They're both Celtic, Celtic, and so my, the first thing that I think of when I hear mm-hmm. Ireland and Dublin is a Guinness. So yes, did you have a Guinness? So I did. So we were there for like four nights and three days. Uh, it was at the end of my study abroad. So to be honest, when I was trying to remember everything I want to talk about. I had already been abroad, what, September through, this was the very end of December. We flew there the day-ish after Christmas um, when my parents came to visit. And it was the first of them we traveled for a month. Everything blended together, like everything blended together. And I had to, I was actually at my parents' house a couple days ago and I was writing this up and trying to look through my photos to jog my memory. And I'd be like, mom and dad, like, where did we go? (laughs) So that I could, so that I could remember. (laughs) So were you able to figure out the timeline? Oh, yeah. Get some more concrete. I did. And it, it helped me, like, remember. My mom remembered one of the tour guides we took somewhere. So I was able to look up their itinerary and match it with the photos I had. And then I was, like, able to actually then remember, like, the emotions I had there and, like, some of the thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it did take a little bit this time, which is why we're doing this, because yes. that's horrifying. But to answer your question, yes. On, I think it was the third day, I believe it was our last day, uh, we went to the Guinness factory. Very cool. So touristy. But honestly, I think it was worth it. Mm -hmm. I always think of it and describe it as Willy Wonka's factory, but for adults. (laughs) Because you walk in and it's not a brewery. It's not a pub. First of all, you can get the classic photo in front of the Guinness uh, like doors or gates, which honestly are just very cute. But you go in and you, I mean, you're taking elevators up like floors. It's very vaulted ceilings with random things hanging and you basically walk through a whole museum that's partially about beer, partially about Guinness and their marketing. It's just very, it's very immersive. It's very interesting. There's a lot of different like colors. You walk through almost like a waterfall at one point. So in my head, when I play it, it's very shiny. And very it, whimsical. Yes, yeah, so whimsical. And it's really fun. I wouldn't say, I mean, I've been on other brewery tours and this is not that and i've been to like in scotland i went on the scotch whiskey experience which is very a little bit whimsical but it's more educational this i i honestly don't know if i walked away knowing a lot about beer or like Mm -hmm. how guinness is made but it was fun it was beautiful i found my favorite marketing slogan and i can't entirely remember the background but they have a bunch of really funny uh marketing slogans through the years and different images and there's this one of there's like this fish on a bicycle and it actually was a little statue 
And the tagline is, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And I still don't really understand how that connected back to their beer, but I love it. And I tried so hard to find anything in their extensive gift shop that had that on it, and I couldn't. So, Did you take a picture of it by chance? I actually, I don't know if I took a picture of that one. I'll have to look. If I do, it'll go on our Unravel or Travel Instagram for sure. <laughs> Good plug. Good yeah, plug. I always plug that. <laughs> so you've walked me through a little bit of the Guinness Yes. Oh, area. wait. One so, thing. But you... how, how was the beer? It was really good. It was so good. Uh, I'm not a big Guinness person anywhere else. I drink a lot of not light beers, but lighter compared to stouts, which is basically every other kind of beer. Um, but stouts are like having two sandwiches with your meal or before your meal. Um, so I normally stay away from them. And I went more just because it was an interesting tourist attraction. One of the things that you can do is either with your ticket for admission, you can either go up to this really cool panorama area and get a complimentary beer there, which I'll talk about in a minute. Or what I did was I used the ticket to actually do the pouring experience or pouring academy. And you basically Mm -hmm. learn how to pour the perfect pint of Guinness. So they teach you and then you get to do it and they give you a little certificate and stuff which I have, so, you know, I'm officially certified to pour the perfect pint of Guinness, which is a lot harder, like, than you would think, and I'm sure any bartenders would know that. (laughs) So after going through a class, have you been criticizing bartenders that you've seen pouring a sloppy Guinness? Absolutely not, because I also still don't order Guinness in the States, (laughs) because getting to your point of, you know, the taste of it, having it not just on draft, but also there in Ireland, it honestly tasted so different and something Mm. they do talk about on the tour is i think the flavors might be a little different depending on the country you're in but also when they mass produce it and it's not going you know literally a mile or a couple flights of stairs out from where it's being brewed there's certain things that they need to add to try and keep it good and make it last longer to make the journey over to the U.S. or wherever it's going. So it does not taste the same. Mm-hmm. I think it's subtle differences, but it made a huge difference. It made it easier to drink. It tasted really silky. Uh, and I mean, it was still heavy. It was a Guinness, but you just maybe it also is partially the experience, but it just it tasted amazing. What what else did you drink? What are the other things that you were talking about? You said that you have a few mini trips too? Yes. So I have a few mini trips. Um, that was our third day when we were kind of just wandering around Dublin, which that was incredible. But the first day and the second day, we actually did two day trips um, through a company called Paddy Wagon, P-A-D-D-Y, Really recommend them. I think both were around 45 euros for a full day. I think you would leave by 9 a.m. You wouldn't come back until 5 or 6. So really worth it. The first day we did the very cliche but not overrated Cliffs of Moor trip. Uh-huh. So it, it was amazing. Enter all your like more Instagram puns here. Oh, wow. That's actually <clears throat> going to be in the title. I'll work that in <laughs> We got to get that in there somehow. Yeah. There were a ton of views along the way. That's something I do like about taking bus day trips. And these weren't one of those mega coaches. It was, you know, a shorter, shorter, bright red bus. 
And just watching them, the way that they weave in and out on the traffic on these absolutely insane back roads, half the time a car would be trying to pass and we'd be halfway in the bushes. And that's just like how they drive. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that the roads are extremely narrow in Ireland. And you're in like ditches on either side and especially where you're in a bus. I mean, two normal cars passing each other, there's some places not enough room now you have regular car traffic trying to pass by bus traffic they earn their tips man because i half the time was like on the edge of my seat (laughs) but it's a really cool way to see a lot of the countryside which was gorgeous there were a few stops along the way uh one area of the stop jordan i hope you find this as entertaining as i did i didn't realize or make this connection until i went back uh, and read through the itinerary but one of the stops along the way is called the Burren. Mm. And no, it's not the hub in Davis Square. <laughs> Love that place. But it's a really famous landscape. And it's, it's basically mini cliffs, it looks like. And it's right on the coast. And there's a lot of limestone rock around there. And it's just a really picturesque area of a lot of what you picture when you picture the coast of Ireland. So it's um, a small little postcard of it. Yeah, it's just like a tiny little stamp, but it's gorgeous. And I loved that it was called the Burren, so I had to had to mention it and give my favorite bar in Davis Square a shout out. And then we stopped in this tiny little stereotypical town that you would picture for Ireland called Doolin. Uh, it was a really cute little town. You can go and we had a sort of traditional lunch, which is a lot of root vegetables a lot of meat and just kind of stewed, usually some sort of stew or a dark gravy. Or it, I mean, I loved it. I'll, I'll, mm. I'll talk about the food, food in a bit. People kind of get down on Ireland about the food. I think the same way people get down on Scotland, but you just got to change your perspective because especially in the winter, I mean, that stuff is prime. It's home. No one wants a salad in the winter. That's ridiculous. Why would you order a sadder- yeah. salad to begin with? Well, to begin with, but especially when it's cold out, like you gotta, yeah. you gotta keep yourself warm. Basically, hibernation. Carbs and protein. Yeah, you also from Doolin get a view of the Aran Islands, which actually, I ended up going and staying on the Isle of Aran uh, a year later. So it was kind of cool that I saw a little preview of it in the distance then, and then went back to the the Scottish Isle, which was really interesting. Did you decide to go the next year because of what you had seen that time? Or is this just outside not, of it? Not at all. It was totally outside of it. I didn't even really fully make that connection. Uh, when I was booking my trip, I was just going back to Scotland because I'm obsessed and mm-hmm. couldn't stay away. And I wanted to do a little day trip and, and ended up there. But it was interesting thinking about those two very different perspectives, seeing it from uh, Ireland and then going to the islands that is Scottish and not irish yeah uh and going to that section of it from scotland so basically seeing it from two opposing views yeah that's very interesting yeah and then we obviously went to finally the cliffs of moore which i'm sure you've seen pictures of it but if you haven't it's these really impressive uh cliff faces that just drop straight to the ocean there's a lot of rock on the side but what's really beautiful is on the top of a lot of the cliffs there's still just this thick thick beautiful 
green grass just rug that you picture in Ireland because because of the weather, because of the rain. Everything is green and just lush even in December. It doesn't die and go away like a lot of places in like New England. And the ocean's just right there and it's a pretty wild section of ocean. So just seeing the cliff faces against it and they kind of zigzag in and out, it it's really breathtaking and a, a little overwhelming but not, not in a bad way. It's just so much to take in and, and absorb that this is just something that's naturally occurring in nature. And it's, it's one of those beautiful things that you get to realize when traveling. Um, did you touch the grass? I did touch the grass. I also, I only took one photo and went on the other side of, a lot of those picturesque photos you see people are like on the other side of a fence sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And parts of it are a little bit scary because there is erosion uh, even on the normal path, and if there's rain, it's pretty slippery. We did not let my mom anywhere near. <laughs> like, she stayed on the other side of the fence because <laughs> she is very clumsy. But it, it was really beautiful, and we spent a significant amount of time just doing the walk there. Obviously, you want to be bundled up if you're there in December on the coastline. Um, but we, we had a really great day for it, so I highly recommend... It's cliche, but it's one of those things that is cliche for a reason. Yeah, you've got to do it. If you're there, you definitely yeah. should. Yeah, well, and then we, so we loved the tour so much and we loved the guide and, and that company that we ended up booking a second day because we didn't really have a ton planned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did a tour to Kilkenny and Wicklow. Great names. So, isn't it just so Irish? I lo- I'm like, I get so giddy just thinking about it. There's something so special about Ireland and Scotland, I think. Just mm-hmm. the people, the, the names, even just reading those town names, I just, you get this feeling that unless you've been there, you, you don't totally understand, but it's just so beautiful and hospitable. And you feel that even in a lot of the language, mm-hmm. I think. So the first part was we went to this area. I think it's like a county of Wicklow. It's basically, yeah, it's a county of Wicklow. And within that, we went to a place called Glendalow that was a glacial valley. Um, and it had this early medieval monastic settlement that there's still ruins of. So there was this beautiful church slash monastery, all these ruins, Um a lot of graveyards, which totally freaks me out, but they were beautiful and they were old and something interesting to see. But there were a lot of Celtic crosses, which it was fascinating to really look at and learn a little bit about what some of the medieval settlements in that area were like. And this is one of those sites that is pretty well preserved that historians have learned a lot from, mm-hmm. from it. And also just seeing the Celtic crosses on the back set of these kind of cobble stony or not cobblestone, but stone ruins with the green grass. It was like, okay, this is Ireland. Uh, the way that I'm picturing it, it's in a clearing. Yes. Is that how it was? Yeah, it is. So there are no trees around, so it was everything was drawn to the center. So the the and I'll I can post some pictures. The settlement was definitely in a clearing, a lot of it, but this is actually in slash near Wicklow Mountains National Park, which there's a lot of general like clearings in Ireland anyways. Um, but here in Glendalough, we actually took a walking path away from the monastic settlement 
to Mm -hmm. what's basically called the Valley of the Two Lakes. And along the way, there's a lot of trees. And in one of those tree gaps, uh, or not tree gaps, but treed areas, uh, the Braveheart wedding scene was filmed. So I don't know. Yeah, I love Braveheart. And yes, that's based in Scotland. But the wedding scene, which if you haven't seen it, you can just Google it. It's really beautiful. It's very moving. They're supposed to be in the highlands of Scotland. Most of the highlands of Scotland don't have trees anymore because Mm. of lumbering. So they're still beautiful and wild, but they didn't have trees like they would have uh, during the time of the movie. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the wedding scene was filmed, which was kind of cool. You're a movie buff. And then you get to this Valley of the Two Lakes. And they're very nice. They have a little <laughs> they have a little sign that's like Glendalow Picture Point. Because if you stand right there, it's this very iconic photo that if you look up Glendalow or Glendalow or Valley of the Two Lakes, you'll see it. And it's these two sort of mountains or rolling hills that form like a valley that almost looked like they crisscross directly in mm. front of you. And there's this super still, very clear lake that I, I believe it used to be. Well, it was a glacial valley, so uh, it used to be Glacier Lake. So <laughs> makes sense. And I assume you took a picture at the picture point. Of course, I took a picture at the picture point, and it will be on our Instagram. But it <laughs> it really was moving. It was really serene. And again, just a lot of natural beauty that you don't get that feel in Dublin, which is very fast-paced, exciting, music, drinking. And this was kind of seeing a little bit of that other side of Ireland, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it seems like you yeah. spend a lot of time in the countryside. I loved, I loved it. I think it's nice to kind of see both because they're two very different experiences. But both really make up the culture of the country and, and the people in it. Um, but then two other things we did on that day trip – was then we got back on the bus and we wove through Wicklow Gap, which is part of Wicklow Mountains National Park. And it truly is, if, if you picture Ireland and the rolling hills, uh, this is that picturesque view. So it was awesome. We made a bunch of stops. A bunch more Braveheart scenes were filmed there because they actually did a lot of filming where they pretended it was the highlands of Scotland in this area just because it almost is the highlands but a little bit miniature I think and then most importantly for me the movie PS I Love You so beautiful if you haven't seen it just go watch it right now actually stop listening to the podcast go watch it come back We'll we'll still be here Gerard Butler the love of my life there's this scene where Gerard Butler and Hilary Swank meet, and it was filmed in this area. And then there's this really famous, like, bridge as part of that scene. And we went over that bridge, and it was really <laughs> cute and monumental. So I followed in Gerard Butler's foot footsteps. Did you recreate the scene? Uh, by myself? No. They wouldn't slow the bus down. I couldn't, oh. you know, pretend to... To meet Gerard Butler, who, by the way, is Scottish, not Irish, but he was pretending to be Irish for that film, just saying. Uh, and then, I don't know, it was just gorgeous. You saw a bunch of traditional, like, Irish bogs, and there's this one really beautiful waterfall that I guess is famous called Turlow Waterfall. I'll be honest, especially after seeing, like, massive waterfalls in Iceland, this is, like, a very famous waterfall in Ireland, and I didn't remember it as, as being all that. Now, is that the case 
was it like that before you had went to Iceland or was it after Iceland when you're like, man, this, this waterfall ain't nothing? I mean, I think I remember them pointing out this waterfall and I was like, that's really, I mean, I think all waterfalls are beautiful. And when you're in this gorgeous area, it's like, wow, that's so beautiful, so romantic. But I, I wasn't even at the moment. I don't think I even have a picture of it. So it was that forgettable. Yeah, but I'll mention it just in case you're like, ah, I went to Turlo Waterfall, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. <laughs> and then finally, we went to Kilkenny, which was actually the medieval capital of Ireland. So it was kind of cool. Very neat. Yeah. It's, instead of having the, I mean, it, it's modern now, but it's still not as populous and fast moving as Dublin. So it had a slower, quieter, more towny vibe. We pretty much just walked around. I was so hangry. I forgot about that. And then my dad was like, I was like, oh, what do we do in Kilkenny? Like, and I was looking at my photos like, well, you were hangry and you just wanted to go sit in a pub and eat lunch. And I was like, that. I remember that now. I was very grumpy walking through the streets of Kilkenny. Where did you end up? What did you eat? So I think that's what, I think that's what there was an argument about is I, one of my, I love pub culture and when it's cold and rainy and I was hangry, I just wanted to go find like a really cute pub and try a local beer. And we just weren't seeing anything. So we ended up and my dad is very much like it's not about the food or whatever. Like we only have an hour at this spot. We got to walk around and see all the things. And I think also because I had been traveling since September for months, I was kind of like, I don't necessarily need to see all the things. So I think we got in a blowout. Kilkenny will never let us back. I think we got in a, a bit of a tiff, <laughs> as the Irish might say. Shouting any... in the streets. Yeah. And we ended up just gra- going to this quick place and grabbing a sandwich. But that did leave us time to – we went to Norman Castle. We did not pay to go inside because after you are touring a lot of the UK and even just other parts of Europe – you don't need to go inside every castle, just like you don't need to go inside every church. I was going to say that. <laughs> I've just stopped going into churches now. I will go on in like the first one or if like we're going to be if I'm on like a tour or something and we're going to be there anyways, I'll go in. But they all blend together. <laughs> Truly. If you've seen we're very, one. We're very fortunate to be in the position where we can say that, but where we can I've seen enough. Be hoity-toity and be like, I have seen enough European yes. churches made long before our country was a thought. Yes. That's true. But Norman Castle was worth walking the grounds. They were really extensive and beautiful. I saw a bride freezing. That's like what I really remember is there was this couple that was taking their wedding pictures there and she was just. She, she was so cold. I just wanted to like wrap her up. She was freezing. Oh, I can imagine that. Like she would in take December. Yes, oh. she would take the picture and smile, and then they would like put a blanket around her. I, <laughs> I, she was gorgeous. I mean, the whole wedding looked gorgeous, but I was very, uh, very jealous of that. And then we did see a cathedral there, as we're talking about overrated churches. It's the Cathedral of Saint Canice. It's really beautiful. I don't. I. Don't remember going in it. I don't think we went in it. But, you know, if you're there, look at it from the outside. Admire the architecture. Yeah. So what we haven't talked about, though, is my favorite part of Ireland and what makes me want to go back so badly. And what is your favorite part of Ireland? It's the pubs. It's the (laughs) night. Truly, though, it's the 
feel and the nightlife in Dublin because it's so different than going out on a night in the town in Boston or a lot of other cities because it feels so homey. Like there's something so different about pubs in the UK and in Ireland uh, where they just you feel like you're at home. There's so much wood. There's usually a fire. There's really warm foods. But the most amazing thing is everywhere in Dublin is live music. You mm. pretty much can't walk into a restaurant after 6 p.m. or a bar or a pub or whatever you're looking for and not find live music that beats out probably half the artists on your Spotify playlist. So we went to several that were awesome. Um my favorite was the Brazen Head, which is also the oldest pub, and it is older than our entire country. So that was really interesting. And we had dinner in one room near a fire, and then we wandered into the live music room. And it was just four guys up there, and they're singing Irish ballads. And it basically imagine when you go out on St. Patrick's Day, and it's like, wow, this is really fun, good like folksy music and everyone seems to know the words except that's just Tuesday. It's just Tuesday and it's so much more talented than that. So it was it was just amazing. Um, I also recommend, I mean, we obviously went to Temple Bar. You kind of have to go. I did love it. I mean, it's a really different vibe. It is packed. You kind of need to get in there, get a beer and just squish in. So that um, seems like the complete antithesis to what you're just saying about what makes a bar in the British Isles career. No, but it's still, no, because it still has that vibe to it. Like, it, it's still not like out here. It's not like going to our burn in Davis Square and you're like around a bunch of college kids who everyone's kind of sweaty and like hitting on each other. It just, it feels icky. No, but much love to the burn in Davis Square. Don't let that deter you from going because it's really fun time. But it, it just still doesn't feel like that. Like people are truly there for the music and there's still this just very different vibe. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. And people are singing along, but it's not a lot of the times it's not the like pop songs that we're used to hearing or you're like listening to the band do a cover of Katy Perry. It's like... They're playing these really fantastic Irish pub songs, a lot of which are very funny and very inappropriate. They are mm -hmm. really funny. Did you Shazam some songs? So I knew most of them. them. So I knew most of them. And I actually have an Ireland or Irish playlist that I put a bunch on. One of my favorites that actually I forget which pub we were in at this point. We went to a couple other ones like the Celts. We went to the Norsemen. And I don't, I don't remember which of those it was, but my mom like went up to the guitar player and requested my favorite Irish song, which is, or my favorite song that's like about Ireland, uh, and it was Galway Girl. Mm -hmm. And I mean, do I love it because it was sung in P.S. I Love You and I'm a total poser and just love that song. <laughs> yes. I actually don't think it was written by an Irish person. I think it was, it's like supposed to be from the perspective of someone visiting like Galway and falling in love with a girl and then having to leave. And no, it is not the Ed Sheeran Galway girl. And it frustrates me. I love Ed Sheeran, but he used that name and it, it really annoys me. So they knew the song and they played it for you though. 
Yes, they did. And they will, like, it now does make the rounds in a lot of the Irish pubs. And I think that's why people think it's an Irish song. But it actually, I believe, was an American artist who wrote it and performed it with an Irish musician. And it has a very Irish pubby feel. But there are some really funny ones. I, there's one called 10 Drunk. I think it's 10 Drunken Nights. Just look it up on Spotify. It just it's funny and it has some like funny sort of risque lines and it's just part of the culture. They also played my favorite Christmas song, Fairy Tale of New York. And because we were there right after Christmas, they played it and it was just it was fantastic. It's it was so awesome. It made me really, really happy. So I know that you love the Irish pubs. Yes. Have you been able to find any around where we are that scratches that itch for you? No. Okay. No, I haven't. Um, That's okay. The closest in Ireland. The closest I have gotten is uh, the reason I say no is because it, this one reminds me more of well, it is a Scottish pub, and it truly has that feel of sort of that pub vibe and being in Scotland and it's homey. And I will say that the Irish and Scottish pubs, to me, feel very similar. But I, I wouldn't want to make that generalization. But if you want to get the closest feeling to that, it would be The Haven. It's in Jamaica Plains. So it's technically not like right in Boston proper. But it's not super far outside of it. And they're phenomenal. I feel a little bad plugging them on the Irish podcast i'll talk about them again in probably every scottish podcast because they have a traditional scottish menu that you can't get anywhere else they are like they truly are the only scottish pub in boston Mm -hmm. not irish and there's a huge difference but they have really fun events i actually think march 7th i'm planning on going to their irish versus scotch whiskers ireland versus scotland whiskey tasting so like every saturday nights they do dram tastings and talk you through different scotches and whiskeys uh they'll have live music but it, it does have that closest thing to that irish scottish pub feel you can you can probably get here but nothing beats ireland Nothing beats Ireland or Scotland when it comes to pubs, but for the sake of this podcast, we'll say Ireland. Uh, And just the beer. I mean, oh my God, it's so good. Also, don't go and order a wine. That's just ridiculous. Like you need to, you're in Ireland, drink your beer. So I assume you were drinking beer that came, that originated from a lot of local breweries. Yes. And I couldn't even list a lot of them to you. Uh, Because they're just there's small yeah and it's fields right and it's just what you do when you travel a lot of time you ask what's on draft and then you try to pick something that is local so i didn't have a beer i disliked they all were phenomenal including the guinness Mm -hmm. uh and then i also did this was around the time when i had been abroad i fell in love with scotch and when we were in ireland i got a pretty good taste for some irish whiskeys so Probably a little bit more mainstream. Like I do really like Teeling, but Green Spot, I think not as many people necessarily know about unless they really know their whiskeys. And I think it's at a pretty decent price point and it is delicious. So highly recommend. I'm, I'm picturing you sitting in a sitting in an Irish pub yeah. with your whiskey, with a fire crackling right next to you, Ugh. and then in another room, a band playing. 
Yes. Or just put the band like 10 feet away and you've got. That's too loud. That's no, too loud. because I'm they're just, they're playing more. acoustic guitars. Like a lot of times it's just a lot of guitar duets. Um, it was amazing. Yes. That's actually where I want to be right this second. On this cold day. Sometimes I think about, I'm like, Ireland's not that far. Like I could definitely do that for a, a weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you can get some good flights, but yeah. So what I, else are you thinking about with Ireland? Honestly, th- that was everything I did. There were a few things I didn't get to do. I really would have loved to walk around Trinity and seeing, I think it's the Book of Kells, I believe. So there were some other touristy things there. I didn't wait, get wait, to. Wait, wait, What is the Book of Kells? Well, so Trinity College, first of all, is just beautiful to walk around the grounds and it's very like medieval-esque buildings that I missed. Okay, this is the Book of Kells is a ninth century manuscript that documents the four gospels of the life of Jesus Christ. But it so the reason I know about the Book of Kells and I know the name of it and I honestly didn't know enough to tell more is because it is like one of it's like known as Ireland's like cultural travel treasure and it is. The world's most famous medieval manuscript. So, like, I knew it was, like, from medieval times, it was a book. I actually didn't know uh, was that. But the other thing is just beyond the Book of Kells, Trin- the, at Trinity College, the library is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You should definitely Google image the library there. It is just gorgeous. And it has some very old books. And I am a total nerd. And I would love to go and spend time walking through there, seeing this old medieval book, no matter what is in its contents. And then also just checking out the rest of the library. And where is Trinity College? Please don't say Trinity. No, it's in Dublin. Ah, okay. No, like it's right. It's pretty much in the heart of the city center. Okay. So that's what's crazy is that I didn't go. Like, it would have been one of the things that most people do when they're just walking around the city. Yeah. But when we were there, we just didn't have time because we did the two-day trips. Then we went to the Guinness Factory Tour, and I think that they were closing. I, I don't think that the library yeah. was going to have been open. So you had said at the start of the, the episode that you were there. Was it between Christmas and New Year's? Was that yes. when you were there? So, so what was that like? It was It was interesting. I mean... It was busy, and I, I honestly don't have anything to compare it to if it's because there were a lot of people on vacation, both visiting and in the country, if people took a lot of time off. It was really nice because, like I said, it was still very festive. Uh, there's no Christmas market or anything like that, at least that we ran into, but hearing some of the Christmas songs, like I don't know if they'd normally pay, play like the fairy tale in New York City song, hearing that yeah. played. So like the day after Christmas was really fun and cool because it's something I listen to every Christmas. So that was it was pretty magical. But I, I can't say if it would be that much different than going any other time of year. It was freezing. Um, I'm sure. But yeah. I- but places were open. Like, you didn't run into any issues where things were closed because it was in that middle period no. between the two holidays. No, it was so bustling, especially in Dublin. I'm sure you would have run into that maybe in some smaller towns or cities. But in Dublin, no, I I didn't feel that at all. I mean, every restaurant was open. Every pub was open. Maybe even more so because of the time frame. But, yeah, we flew there. 
we did Christmas in Scotland. We flew there and then we flew back in time to do Hogmanay in Scotland, which is their three-day festival leading up to New Year's Day. And it's amazing. And I will have to cover that sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it was a cultural whirlwind. Going back and forth between the two. Yeah, but again, the flights were super easy. We, I don't think we brought all of our luggage. I think we left some of it back in Scotland. Um, and did we you stay in a hotel in Ireland? So <laughs> we did a hotel, and it was terrible. <laughs> mm. uh, it was ter- It was not in the best place. So there's a river that I won't say it cuts through the heart of Dublin because I can't remember, but it, it is through a, a portion of it. And everything's sort of was on one side, and we had to cross the other side of the river. And when we would be walking back late at night from the pubs, you just got a little bit of an eerie feeling. Like suddenly you'd turn down an alley to where our hotel entrance was and it was down this alley. A couple people tried like running into the building after us and were like shaking the door. (sighs) You would wake up and, and maybe honestly, Dublin does have a really big going out and drinking culture and there are some stereotypes of like the fighting Irish not gonna further stereotypes but they're definitely i mean my friends were out a lot later than i was because i was with my parents um it was pretty common that every single one of them did see some sort of yeah skirmish so i can't i can't totally say you wouldn't hear this but i mean we'd be woken up by some screaming fights outside of our hotel at Uh like 3 a.m uh so where did you go after the hotel i assume you didn't stay the entire time then no, we, well, oh, you stayed. That was just in Ireland. So we stayed, gotcha. we were only there four nights, three days. Mm-hmm. So we, we just stayed there and dealt with it. And it wasn't that long. Was there a continental breakfast by chance at the hotel? To no. Make it better? Nope. Nope. We were, we, it was a very weird hotel. It almost felt more like apartments. Uh, we didn't even, there was one spot to check in, but it was basically in a different building. And then mm-hmm. to get into our building, like there was no front desk, there was no security. You just had to wiggle the key, get in and, and walk up. And it just, I mean, it was big, which was nice, but it was kind of, not great. <laughs> not, not, a, not a thing to go back to. Not great. Um, so I would... But but there are so many hotels in Dublin, and I think at that point we were also going for some of the really less expensive ones, um, just because we were my family and I were traveling for a month, and it was the end yeah. of my study abroad, so I was there for a long time. Definitely. Yeah. So what was the top food thing that you had while you were there? Probably. Hmm. Probably one of the stews. I I had a lot of there were a lot of lamb options and I really mm-hmm. like lamb, so that was delicious. I wouldn't say that there was one meal that totally stood out, but it just it was all very cozy. It was um, just the idea of the Irish meal. Yes, it was like a lot of a lot of stews, obviously potatoes and warm meats. Although there's one thing that I highly recommend for people to try. And it's actually a breakfast. Mm. And they also have this in versions of this in Scotland and in England. So I got all three of them. And this is called a full Irish breakfast. In Scotland, Mm -hmm. be full Scottish. In England, it's full English. And they all have different um, things that are part of them. 
with a few similarities, but so a full Irish breakfast that I do have a picture of is black pudding, white pudding, usually an over easy, two over easy eggs, pork sausage, sautéed mushrooms, toast, a fried tomato, and hash browns. So I've had a full English breakfast, and I can only speak to that. I, I hate it. I love. I love it's it. Too much. It's way too. I much. mean, it's it's a lot. You honestly could share it with someone, but if you want to like sample a little bit of everything, it's so fun. So I don't mean a lot in the the food. Oh. I mean a lot in just ha- everything happening on the plate. Like oh. I don't want to eat beans at nine a.m. It the beans. Why do I want to eat beans? Are a weird. Are we? I never really ate the beans. I'm not a huge beans person. I don't think. Okay, then everything else I can get behind. I don't know. I don't know if there were beans on the full Irish breakfast. To be honest, I, I don't have it listed yeah, here. Yeah, I can but only I'll, I can only speak to the English yeah, breakfast. I'll post a picture. I know the beans is it is a little bit weird, but I love it. It's like a bunch of really weird <laughs> random stuff. But I actually love black pudding too. Don't ask me what it is. I want to talk about it, but it's blood. Stop congealed stop it stop it (laughs) you're gonna deter listeners from being adventurous you still gotta just power through it just like i do with the beans you don't have to eat the beans and you don't have to eat the black pudding no you have to but the black pudding is adventurous the beans are the beans are also adventurous i'm going on an adventure it's 9 a.m you're like yes who eats yes who eats beans at 9 a.m well apparently like a whole two (laughs) islands of people and the whole one island eats blood congealed into a pudding. So does well Scotland does too. You didn't well, there was no black pudding in the English full English breakfast? No. Oh, it's in the Scottish one as well. So still two islands. Okay. Until Scotland somehow pries themselves and chisels their way away from England. Not for lack of trying. Not for lack of trying. I I were I actually volunteered on the they call it the dig. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the <laughs> To the front and helps <laughs> dig the line it's got a lot more digging to go so before we leave mm-hmm. the rainy green hills of ireland and return to the rainy yeah. dystopian landscape of boston do you have anything <laughs> else that you want to bring up and let our listeners know about of ireland i just think that people should go i mean i really want to go back maybe i'll organize a trip and i'll lead people through so I can speak like just last year, I've, I know of four or five different people who have gone to Ireland on vacation. Really? It yeah. seems like it's really getting much more popular. It is. I, and I think if you want to dip your toes into traveling, quite honestly, Dublin is the place to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sort of speaking a bit Northeast centric currently because I'm about to say it's a close flight. Obviously, yeah. if you're in California, that's not true. But if you're on the East Coast, or even if you're not, but just want to try somewhere that the cult, you're not going to get massive culture shock, especially if you're there for four or so days uh, in Dublin. And I can't mm-hmm. speak to the rest of Ireland, but you get that taste of travel. You get that taste of another culture. There's fun things to do, but Dublin's a really manageable city. You can take very easy day trips to see the nature. I just think it's one of the best ways to Kind of try on, try on your travel shoes. Get out there, spread As your a wings. Treat. As it's a, a little, treat. A little treat. Uh, let me know if you're going and you want to guide. 
Lauren is desperate to find a new trip. Just as we <laughs> asked her last time where she's going next, let's ask her again. So, Lauren, where's, where's your I don't next know, trip Jordan. I well, Friday I leave. I told you this. Bro. This Friday I leave no, Colorado. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's we know that. I don't know, we're man. I don't know. That. In September again, we're still pushing for Machu Picchu. But I might do one before then. I, I can't go anywhere until June is what I've realized, though. Mm. Uh, I can't go anywhere until June, which makes it difficult. I started looking at uh, Google Flights three days ago. Just seeing what's going on. What's it cost to get to Norway? So you've only got half a year to work with. Cuba. Time's a ticking. Time's a ticking. Well, so the, wherever I go in September could be my 25th. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm definitely gonna hit my goal no matter what. But I looked at flights to Cuba. Yeah, I looked everywhere, and the tough thing is, once it hits June, prices skyrocket. Yeah, because then it's summer. That's why you don't travel in the summer. That's why I don't oh, travel. In I the know, summer. I know, but clarify. I can't. I can't because of work. Man, work sucks, doesn't it? Oh, man. I'm not going to say that just in case. <laughs> I don't know who listens to this. The act of working sucks. The act of working sucks. My work doesn't suck. <laughs> underline, underline, underline. So I think in order to get your mind off of things, mm-hmm. I think you should make yourself a nice full Irish breakfast. Blood sauce, blood pudding included. And all. I have haggis yeah. in my freezer right now. Ugh. Well, you need to work Which on we'll your blood. Which we'll talk about in Scotland, yeah. Pudding. But, but I was just saying, of all the weird things for you to expect to have, like, 10 feet from me, I just need to share it that it's not so out of the realm for me to find black pudding somewhere. It could be somewhere. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll saute up a little mushrooms. Fry a tomato. I don't know how to fry a tomato, really. You don't like mushrooms? I've... So I have tried to force myself to like mushrooms mm-hmm. on numerous occasions, and I just can't do it. So Jordan's take a, a child. Listen to nothing he says on these podcasts. <laughs> I have tried. I have tried. I have forced. I respect fed, that. I have bought mushrooms on numerous occasions and put them into dishes, and I take a bite, and I like think, it. wow, this is disgusting. Well, <laughs> I feel bad for you because you'll never really enjoy a full Irish breakfast. But, Jordan. I'm okay. I have a... Quick question corner. Okay. What is one of the scariest things that has happened to you while traveling? Minus almost being kidnapped in Kiev, which my dad, did you see the Gmail my dad sent us? I've gotten numerous responses from parents who have berated me for the idiocy that I've done. My dad said that we should retitle the episode like, taken for (laughs) (laughs) yes that would be an appropriate title so it besides i don't know besides that that would be the i know scariest moment no i know one for you what would be one for me so i'm thinking scary as like not life-threatening but just like oh crap i could get in a lot of trouble and i think yours was when like your visa was expired oh yeah that's a (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a good uh yeah that's a that's a good story too. So what happened was uh, <laughs> during the summer before I went to Sicily, obviously I needed to get a student visa, and to do that you need to work with the country of the the embassy of the country that you're going to. 
So I had to work with the Italian embassy on numerous different occasions, get different papers. I had to, I had to go to Boston because I was living in Providence at the time. I had to go to Boston on like three or four separate occasions and I didn't have a car to get things sorted out. And it was awful. It was everything awful about working with the government times like 10. <laughs> and it, I was every time I would leave, I would just be pulling my hair out because something just didn't go right. They weren't understanding me because they were looking for me to have proof of the flight that I was leaving. And the issue was that my my time in Sicily was going to end in mid-November. But the proof that I was leaving the country, which they need in order to give you a visa, was a month later, in December, because I was staying longer as a tourist. So I tried to let them know this and on numerous different times, and they just didn't understand. They just didn't get it. Something happened. They just didn't get it. <laughs> so I get my visa two weeks or so before I leave, and the date that my visa ends is the date that my studies ends, which is a month before I leave. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> so I just, I don't worry about it right now. <laughs> so I get to this Italy. stressed me out so much. <laughs> so I get to Italy and I have a grand old time, wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And then in November, when my time is about to end there, I start re- realizing that, oh yeah, this is probably something that I want to start dealing with. And... So at the time, I didn't know what the impact would be. Like, what would happen? What's going to happen? Do I, like, can I leave? Am I able to go to other countries? So at a high level, the way that immigration and traveling works within the European Union is that there's an agreement called the Schengen Agreement, which means that tourists and citizens can travel between the different countries without a visa as long as they've entered the EU. Once you're in, you're good and you can travel. So... As long as I stayed in the EU, I would not have to go through immigration or customs, which means that I didn't have to worry about getting caught with but a visa that was expired. To be there, and you would have been sent packet. There, yeah, there was yeah. there was a possibility that I could have been sent back. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, I had a few different options. And a disclaimer to begin with for this is that. Depending on what passport you have, you have a degree of freedom and the things that you can kind of get away with. Having an American passport, this wasn't really that big of an issue. At worst, I could be sent back, deported, which wouldn't Still be good. Still not great. Yeah. At, at the very worst, like deported is one thing, hmm. but at the very, very worst, I could be deported and then have my like being on a blacklist for a few years to go back to Europe. That would have been devastating. Yeah. We probably wouldn't have been this been devastating for me. <laughs> so with that in mind, I was scouring the internet, trying to find what I could do. I was also trying to get in contact with the United States Embassy in Italy of no help. I was just getting emails to different places, just wasn't really helping at all. And then there was one situation, there was one resolution where I could fly to the UK, which is out of the Schengen Agreement. So I would go through their customs the time that my visa ended. I would enter as a tourist, which would then Mm. reset my passport. So then I could come back to the EU as a tourist. Mm. So I'm essentially re-entering as a tourist and I could stay for the 90 days that I'm allotted. 
But as it stands, because my student visa ends, I'm technically overstaying my welcome. Like it's, it doesn't take into effect that I could stay for an extra 30 days as a tourist. So with that being said, I was working with my advisor at the time and he had a, he, he and I came up with a solution that I would go to the, the Italian Chiestera, which is like the, the police office of the local area. And I would go, I would get a, a, uh, I would get a piece of paper in Italian that said this person lost his passport. <laughs> like a like a handwritten like get out yeah. of school Essentially, note. I, I like still have the paper. Said, I, can I still go have home the early. paper. And it was basically saying that he lost his passport and this is the paper signifying that we know he's here but he's leaving. He has his flight and he's okay. Getting that piece of paper was in and of itself an experience because as part of doing this, I had to play a part of stupid American. I lost my passport. Yeah, of who I, I lost my passport. And at the time, I speak Italian, but my advisor said, you don't speak Italian because <laughs> I had to play the dumb American. And his advisor was Italian. Just yes. So I was understanding everything that he was saying as he was going about doing this. And... It turned out great. The police was very, they were very nice. They gave me the piece of paper. They said, just show this if anybody asked. While I was there, though, I came to realize that I broke another rule that I should have done when I was there. What I should have done when I first got to Sicily is register at the Chiestera saying that I'm here, which would officially kick off my, my residency, my temporary residency there. And then that would have helped me mm. whenever I was dealing with this other issue. I didn't do that. And so they're like, yeah, do that next time. Yeah, you also, big idiot. You don't know you're here. You I big didn't idiot. Have to do that. And yeah, so at the end of the day, I have this piece of paper. And who knows I if just, that would have worked, though? Like, it probably wouldn't. Anywhere else. So, so I continued my month long trip around the EU. And I've went to numerous different occasions, okay. numerous mm-hmm. different countries. And I didn't have to go through customs at all because I was in the EU. Yeah. The only time where I had to show my passport was when I was going from Amsterdam to uh, when I was going from Amsterdam to Warsaw and I crossed the German border in a bus. And German soldiers came and just checked my passport because they were looking for like weed, I assume, <laughs> on the bus. But <laughs> And then at the end of the trip, when I was in Rome with my uh, family and we were leaving, that was when obviously I had to show my passport oh my God. and get the exit stamp. But at that point, they didn't, they they didn't really like, look. Leave. Yeah, they just, they stamped it. And I was like, whew, that, <laughs> that, that last, that last month and a half a of the time stressful. that I was there was pretty stressful for me, oh my God. but it's just bureaucracy. Like things you, are going to go wrong it. at some time. <laughs> So is yours a little one. more exciting than no, papers? No, <laughs> mine is also related and recent. Uh, I think I texted you about this, but when I was just ah, yes. in Europe in November, so I flew into Frankfurt and had a layover. And you have to remember that this layover 
we took a red eye out. I I honestly couldn't even tell you what time this was. I fell asleep in a cafe at the airport waiting for our next flight very publicly in front of everyone. (laughs) This is the mindset I'm in. I barely remembered it was Frankfurt. I didn't quite remember what day it was. Go through. And they that's the first time that since you're entering Europe, they take all your passports and you stamp them. And then the next flight, they didn't do that because it was just within the EU. So when they took it, it was me, my parents, and then our friend Sandy, who I was traveling with us, who I've mentioned in earlier podcasts. They took all four of our passports and you hear, do, 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 do. So four stamps go down. You're like, all right. They're not, they're not speaking English with us. They're not like having an interaction. It's border control at like 4 a.m. Like just get through. And then you can't go back in. So as we're walking away, I was super excited because I am at the midpoint in my passport where it's like right on the seam uh-huh. is where the last ones were. And so normally they flip to a new page or somewhere later in the book. And I was so excited because it's one of my goals. I was just like, I just want to get like past the halfway point. I want another stamp. So as we're leaving border control and get it like rushing to our next flight, I flip it open. I'm like, huh, well, it's not on the center page, which means it's totally the other way. And I'm flipping through and flipping through. I read back through everything. And the last stamp I have is from when I went to Scotland or I think Scotland in like 2017 or something Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And so I'm like, what the heck? Like, but I'm not concerned about it from a tracking standpoint i'm just like oh i'm so mad like i wish that i had my stamp and i kind of like announced it to my family but we were in the middle of stuff and i was like oh like good thing we're not taking a bus where like if we cross certain places they'll check your passports because i was thinking about you and your story and i'm like oh that would suck (laughs) whatever so about 15 14 days go by and we're leaving Switzerland and my my parents were staying in Europe so they're they're on another flight they're gone and just luckily Sandy and I uh, and I think our friend Cindy but Sandy most importantly we're flying home together and just happened that we're standing next to each other at the little I call it like the toll booth but basically that border control where yeah. you walk up they check your stamp see when you got here and they like stamp that you left and I just hand it to her and I hear her she starts speaking I don't know I think it was Swiss German she's like scrolling through and all of a sudden I'm like oh my god I have no proof of entry I have no proof of entering this it looks like the last time my passport was stamped was in like 2017 so I'm starting to panic and she looks at me and she was like you don't have a stamp and I was like Oh my gosh, I I swear that like I I entered and then she the woman next to her turns because she happened, thank God we were next to each other. She opened Sandy's passport and Sandy had two entry stamps. So the person had like stamped hers twice mm. and turned and they're speaking and then she turns back to me and she was like, You need to tell me the exact date and which airport you came in. And I'm like Oh my God, I don't know. I've been to like five countries at the airport, three or four countries at this point. I'm like, um, and our fourth stop was Portugal. So I almost like, oh, we were in Portugal. 
no we didn't that's not where my stamp was from <laughs> and i'm like trying to remember and i remember sleeping in the cafe and i'm like uh frankfurt and then i kind of guessed at the date because i was like it was a red eye and i couldn't quite remember what time we landed and it matched up but she still like the woman at border control turned to me and she was like this is bad <laughs> Like she said that to me, and if that, like that's something you never want to hear at border phrases control, you don't want to hear. Is, this is bad, and I all I'm I'm like I'm going in a tiny little airport cell. I'm going in a tiny airport cell. I'm gonna have to like text work. I'm not gonna be there on Tuesday. And she was like pretty distressed, and she was like, "Okay, like because your friend had the other stamp." I'll let you through. But she was, like, exasperated. She was like, do you know that this could be really bad? Like, do you know how bad this could She just – I kept repeating it. I was like, yes, I get it. I get it. I know. Please, please let me through. And so she's like, okay, okay. And she goes – and I, I was an idiot. And she's, like, marking things off or, or she's about to, like, let me through. And I was like, um, you did stamp it, right? So, like, showing I left and she just looked at me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Just run, run. Yeah. But then for some reason, there was another stop where you had to show your passport again between there and my gate. Yeah. Even though it wasn't border control. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. And he's like flipping through, but they ca- they cared way less. Yeah. So, yeah. Moral of the story, check your stamp. But even like what's scary is you can't re-enter border control. So No, you can't go back, you can't tap on the arc- glass. Yeah. And be like, excuse me, sir. You didn't stamp my, you didn't do your job. Moral so, of the story is be extra careful with your documents. Yeah. I could have gotten, I don't know, detained. They could have detained me at the yeah. board. They could have kept me in Switzerland. Honestly, worst places. Illegal entry. Literally. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. it looks like. They, and But all I think is if Santa and I hadn't been on the same flight or if she had just gone to one of the other people and had already passed through there there would have been nothing i could do like i couldn't call her back like it's not like they're gonna let me start yelling across border control or, or run and go grab her yep. so sometimes i just feel like the next time i have to take out my passport i'm just gonna hear that border control lady like this is bad <laughs> i'm like oh god this is bad yeah so that was really that was one of my uh scarier moments like a international oh crap i could get in trouble Thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to email us at unravelourtravel at gmail.com.